Stress eats away at our health and quality of life. Hi, I'm Kathleen McDermott. I created this podcast to spark your thinking to consider the possibilities in designing your life your way with less stress and more joy, passion, and fun. This is it, ladies. Your life is not a dress rehearsal. It's your gift to live and love to the fullest by reducing stress and breaking the cycles that keep you on that roller coaster ride so that you can build a powerful legacy for yourself and your children if you have them. An area of stress that affects our bodies and quite often we feel the signs of it, but if you're like me, you can be stubborn and just kind of deal with it in not the healthiest of ways. So it's something that I personally am working on, but what we eat, what we put into our bodies. And today we are talking specifically about gluten-free baking. Now you might say, well, I don't bake. Well, I don't bake much either. And the reason I don't bake much is number one, I would eat it all. So I want to learn how to bake in a, on a smaller scale. But beyond that, white flour bothers me. It inflames my joints and I suffer. Now, have I gone completely gluten-free? Oh gosh, no, that would be too easy. <laughs> no, I mean, really to make the final decision and say, yes, this is what I'm going to do so that I can not feel this pain that I'm currently feeling in my left wrist and fingers. But my guest today is Carolyn Hillier, and she is just amazing at baking gluten-free. Did she learn it overnight? No, it took practice. And where she is at right now, she has become so proficient at it that she is teaching others how to. And what I've learned from Carolyn as our chats have grown and I listen to her and her depth of passion for what she does and how it has helped her develop even a a, a different, deeper relationship with her children because she's gotten to share this with them. So I want to say thank you for joining us today. And if you might say, you know, if you're thinking, well, I'm not interested in gluten-free, you might be able to take away some of the points that might just spark your thinking in a different area. Thank you for being here. And here is Carolyn. Well, good morning, Carolyn Hillier. How are you today? I'm so good, Kathleen. How are you today? I am wonderful, and I'm so happy to have you here with me. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and, and oh, excuse me, <coughs> and being able to um, give us some information on your gift of gluten-free baking. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's so nice of you to put it that way. I, I don't think of it as a gift, but I guess it's something that can help people. So that would be a gift. And I'm super happy to talk to you. This is always fun. And you're lovely to talk to anytime. So I'm excited to have this conversation today. Well, thank you very much. And I do have to say that I've seen as I follow you on Instagram, I've seen your recipes that you're making. It's like, oh, sometimes I just say, stop, you're killing me. They're beautiful. <laughs> Here's my address. Send some to me, please. <laughs> that would be great. I'm not doing that at the moment, but I'm glad you appreciate the pictures and the recipes. I have a good time doing it. Well, I would like to, you and I have chatted before and we've had some wonderful, there's just been such beautiful things that you have mentioned and brought up and so much of it fits into your life, your way. And many more and more people are finding that gluten 
whether it's the actual gluten or whether it's the stuff on the wheat that yeah. is a problem. But there's a sensitivity. More and more people are sensitive to it. One of whom is me. I've developed a sensitivity to it. I get um, inflammation in my joints. Mm -hmm. I wheat. So it is, and I love, love a good loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> but to suffer when I eat it, you know, it is a choice. But so many more people are becoming sensitive to it and it isn't good for everyone. But to be able to have alternatives that actually what's most important taste good. And I can remember when gluten-free first came out. <laughs> so bad, so bad. It was, but it's really come a long way. There's been so much focus on it to improve it so that those of us that want to go gluten-free or need to go gluten-free can and yet still enjoy some of the many things that we love bread yeah yeah that's it's a very disheartening feeling that you can't eat all these things you love that you've eaten your whole life right it just feels really um that's not impressive the, the word is uh, disheartening and sad you know it feels like things are being taken away so many of our memories and um, experiences and family experiences are rooted around food around the table good or bad um that kind of seems to be the way it is and um to take that away is really hard it felt uh really uh depriving to have that and so yeah that's something i've i've worked a very long time to work around that in a way that i don't feel like my life is super restrictive or that i'm missing out on so much that i felt like i was missing out on before yeah can you tell us what brought you to the point of yourself being gluten-free Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, so I don't actually, and I'm going to give your, your listeners a little, um, a leg up from what happened to me because I didn't know better. So if you think you're, um, gluten, having trouble with gluten or you're, you're having issues with your gut, get tested for the celiac test before you go off gluten, because, um, they need you to have gluten in your system in order to test you. So what happened is I had really bad um, intestinal problems. It just felt like I was a balloon animal and I was being knotted up. And so I just felt so much pain. And for a long time, I thought, oh, it's hormonal or it's you know, some kind of monthly thing. And then it was just every week of the month. And I thought, what is happening? I just felt like garbage. And my mother at the time was, um, I think she was going through cancer treatments and fixing her diet. And she was having, when she ate wheat, she would get puffy and have inflammation like you talked about in her joints. And she just said, you know, I don't do well on wheat. So I thought, you know, at some point I thought, is this wheat? Is this something to do with wheat? So I ended up taking it out of my diet. And, um, and so that was really helpful for me, but I never had a test. And so by the time I figured out, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me that I really knew it was wheat. I hadn't been eating it for so long that I think it's six weeks that I have to start eating wheat in order to have it in my system, which would be really, really um, uncomfortable and terrible for me at this point. So that's why I would urge people something that I didn't know at all, that if you think you're getting sensitive to wheat to get those tests first, while you still have it in your system, instead of like having to go back. And I just wasn't willing to do that. So I don't know if I'm celiac or gluten intolerant. I just don't eat it because I feel terrible. So it's good to know. I've never heard that said before that you had to have the gluten in your system for the test, but I suppose it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like I'm slightly at a disadvantage not knowing, but I, I just not willing to put myself through that at this point. I can understand that. Yes. yes. You feel good. Don't you? It's, it's not broken anymore. So leave it alone. Right. 
So what are some of your favorite things to make that you've really taken and, and enhanced that flavor? Mm, I, you know, I'm such a cake person and I, I love a good cake. You know, you can get an amazing cake when you go to a bakery or, you know, sometimes you can get something good at the grocery store or whatever, but, but that's just beyond the box mix that just has different flavors or different, that dense cakey texture. And I like to do the fork test, you know, where you like, you eat the piece of cake and then there are crumbs on the plate. And if you can stick your fork on the crumbs and they stick to your, I want a moist, flavorful cake. And really it was so difficult to get that because you just get this thing that would almost implode when you'd make the gluten-free mixes or it just had a weird mealy texture or there was no, you know, there's just elements that are missing. So like a good cake. So what I spent most of my time baking gluten-free were cookies, cakes, quick breads, stuff like that. Cause that's what, you know, normally um, most people uh, don't make yeast bread all the time. So I didn't, wasn't focusing on yeast bread, even though I do love a good bagel, which I haven't even got, I mean, and a good French bread, but I haven't really developed those yeast recipes because growing up with my kids growing up, they wanted cookies. They wanted, you know, pumpkin bread, muffins. They wanted pancakes, all that stuff. So I spent all the time making those things and really the yeast bread side of gluten-free baking is something I really need to do more exploring. So cakes, cookies, quick breads, um, a good chocolate chip cookie. Those were the things that I really wanted to make. Yeah. And you're making me hungry. And pancakes <laughs> is something that I'm trying to conquer myself. I've been tinkering with the gluten-free pancake. Mm. I have a great recipe. I have an amazing recipe. I may ask you to send that to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it can be vegan if you want it. You, you could make it with vegan butter and like almond milk and then gluten-free flour and it'll still be amazing. Um, I filled it with a lot of bananas and uh, chocolate chips and it just, that texture, I just could not get the texture right. Huh. It sounds, bananas and chocolate chips sounds amazing though. It does. It does. Yes. And regular pancakes, I adore that. Yes. You had had a quote that I absolutely loved when you said it. And we'll come to the quote, but let's take you to the kitchen. And the reason why I, I would like to have you go into this space of, of sharing is how, I mean, I'm all about creating your life your way, depending on whatever that means to you. And you had to, part of making you feel well and to feel good in your body, you needed to create it your way, which you did. Right. That can make a difference in the family structure if not everyone wants to eat that way. Yes. And that is probably one of the reasons why many people just continue to not go there because they don't want to fix multiple meals. Right. And in that um, sometimes for our health we have to make those difficult choices right how did you I loved your story and you and your children in the kitchen can you tell us a little bit about how that affected your family and what you did with it so me turning uh needing to eat gluten-free and then just the impact on my family as the one person in my house that needed to eat gluten-free um yeah that was it was hard because I I want to say I believe the lies that you read on the packages that say it's just like, um, you know, you just use this flour and it's exactly like the way you used to eat. So I would buy flour or I'd buy baking mixes. And I'm sure there are some that are better now. I don't really use baking mixes for the most part. But um, at the time, you'd buy something and it would say it's just like you, you won't know the difference. It's, you can replace it. And it's not true. It is not true or it wasn't true. It would be sandy. It would just have a very weird texture or it'd be so dry. And, and so what would happen is I'd try to make gluten-free treats and no one would want to eat them. 
including me. So I would have spent the time, the money, the effort to make cookies that were terrible. And so my kids were, you know, I don't know, my son was probably seven, you know, maybe six and my daughter was eight and no one wanted to eat these cookies. So then I'm stuck with wasting food and resources and my time and having something no one wanted to eat. So I didn't want to make two things, like you said. So um, because I'm tenacious and um, <laughs> curious and I've been baking since I was about eight, I just started thinking, okay, what's missing with this recipe? When I make the cookies this way, they don't taste like what I want and what are those elements that I need in there and what can I put in there to make it the way I want it. So I just started experimenting. And so now what I do is like, I have a certain way of making things and I add some things that other people maybe don't add. Um, and so I went through and modified a lot of the recipes so that now I can make them gluten-free and my kids don't, I mean, they're old now, not old, <laughs> they're grown <laughs> now, but um, they don't, they're so used to eating gluten-free and it's so good. They're like, mom, you can't tell this is gluten-free. And so that was my objective is to be able to make the meal once and have it be gluten-free and have everyone love it and enjoy it and think, what, this is gluten-free and not know the difference. So, cause I didn't want to make it twice and I didn't want to make cookies and never eat a cookie myself. Cause that was really, that was hard for me to make beautiful, you know, flour bakes that were wheat and I couldn't eat them. I, I mean, it takes a lot of willpower that honestly, sometimes I didn't have. And so I was in pain because I, you know, I just want a bite of that cookie. I just like one piece of that pie, right? So. That's, uh, that's what happened there. And along the way, um, my kids and I learned to bake together gluten-free, which was really fun. Um, and that was an experience I was not, um, I used to be a solitary baker because I bake so quickly. You know, I'd been baking for so long. I just get everything out, you know, mow through everything. And I just, it was, um, it was a shift in my mentality at some point when, you know, I, I decided to, it sounds bad let people in the kitchen with me and um, you know your kids make mistakes they do things differently or whatever but it became this beautiful creative process for the three of us or the two of us whoever was cooking and so now it's one of those great joys for me is when my daughter comes to visit or my son comes over and he'll say let's bake something get out the recipes the three of us or you know whichever part of us are cooking together and it's this beautiful creative um, endeavor and we we all work really well together and it's sometimes it's funny and it doesn't turn out if we're trying something new but it's just a shared family experience that we wouldn't have had if um, I had to stop baking and we wouldn't have had you know if I it's not the same if you make something and no one can eat it right it just feels bad so that whole creative process and the because um, then they get to have their input right if you're baking with your kids hey let's add chocolate chips Hey, let's do it this way, mom. What if we do it this way? Can we make it this shape? So there's a whole, uh, whole lot of fun in there that you, that I get in the kitchen with my kids that I didn't realize I could have earlier. And then later we figured this out, which was a lot of fun. And I love all of that. And I think that maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm sure there are many that still do do this, what you're saying, but I think many of us also have gotten away just because of our lifestyles. Life is so, you know, that B word, so busy. Right. That do we take enough time in the kitchen? And this is just one example. Might yeah. be gardening to spend time with our kids and to create those memories. And you're building that legacy. You're teaching, you're leaving things behind that they will have forever that will be beautiful for them. Yeah. And they'll be able to share and you've taught them to share if they have children with their children. Yeah. It's a beautiful gift. Thank you. It's, you know, I, 
And obviously when I started baking with them, it was because they wanted to, and um, you know, they're creative people as well. Most kids are pretty creative, but um, there's so much, there's so much you can give to others with your baking. Like if they're having a hard time, you bring them something nice. Or, you know, if someone brings you a whole bunch of tomatoes from your yard and you make, you know, the mozzarella salad, what's it called? It's, I can't think of the name. Or you make bruschetta or something with it. And then you give it to other people. There's this whole receiving and giving and there's a whole cycle of that that's just lovely. And, um, and then my kids have the ability, my daughter makes, you know, baked goods and brings them to work. Or at Christmas, she made a whole bunch of different cookies and sent them, you know, to her friends. And, you know, my son will decide he wants to make a recipe. He looked up a recipe for crepes on Bon Appetit and decided to make them one day. And, you know, just that freedom. When you have the tools to cook and you can use your creativity, you get the freedom to cook what you want, when you want. You get to cook it how you want it. You can modify things. And all that is just, I mean, it's fun and it's very freeing to have the ability, you have so much at your disposal when you, um, when you know how to cook and you have the, the confidence and the tools to do it, right? You just give your kids a wonderful gift and it's a fun activity together, but also there's a lot of freedom. I think a lot of people don't know how to cook and both my children are very proficient with um, savory and sweet. So I feel really good about that. And that leads to the quote. Do you remember the quote? Uh, I think you said, um, Let's see, I had said um, something about it's a art project you get to eat. Is that what I said? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and my kids would love having input, you know, in what we were making. And, you know, sometimes we'd make some funny stuff. One of our, which is goofy, one of the favorite things my son and I and my daughter and I like to eat is we'll make this apricot almond biscotti. And at some point we started making it and then we started eating it before we baked it twice, which means it's not biscotti, but it's a soft, lovely cookie with slightly sweet with this apricot and almond. And so now we love to eat it that way, but you can't buy it that way. You know, we put extra apricots and we did something else to it. So like every recipe is kind of custom made to the way we decided we wanted to make it together, which is, I love that, you know? Do you, when you do something like that and you make those adjustments, do you actually write it down so you remember the next time? Oh yeah. I have notes everywhere. You should see my cookbooks. There's like chicken scratch. It looks like some crazy person's been in the cookbook. Yeah. We were just talking before we started recording about uh, sticky notes and, and placing things around and how much we like to write on paper. And it's so weird. That's the one place I don't do it. I love to create, I, I will follow and I use the word follow lightly. <laughs> yes. I like to say, how does, how will this work? And let's try this. I like to create. I like to see what I can come up with on my own. Yeah. It'll come out fantastic. And do you think I've written it down so I can do it again? Oh no. So yeah. And it's so weird the way I love and I have notes everywhere, but not that. That's so funny. So what I started doing is I always have a pencil or post-its and I like stick it in the cookbook, you know, or I just write it in pencil on the margin, like yes. my own notes. I need to find a better way. The sticky notes, seeing as I have sticky notes all over, it's probably the best way to go. Yeah. And, I, and I too, I love, both my sons like to cook. And I think what I see in both of them, and you mentioned this when we talked before, that it is a stress relief as well. It can very well be a form of meditation. And right. I know when I watch my one son make, he loves to make vodka sauce. And the stirring, you know, the process of the ingredients and the stirring and 
it's relaxing for him and he yeah. enjoys it. And, and as I said to him, you know, that is your form of meditation. You're just being, you're just quiet, you're breathing and you're relaxing. And my other son loves to, he'll take a Sunday and just cook and have a ball. But he makes some of the things he makes. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> that's yeah. great. Very creative. Um, so they, I'm very pleased that they both have learned to love being in the kitchen. Yeah, I, I think it's wonderful. So that speaks uh, volumes about your um, ability to foster that, you know, or they maybe they saw you in the kitchen. And also it's kind of going against, I mean, a lot of chefs are men, but a lot of men who aren't chefs don't cook, it seems like, or don't bake or cook. You know, it seems like there's a, not as much a stigma as before, but I think um, the fact that your sons are so proficient and enjoy doing it in the kitchen, they must have seen that somewhere. Like where did they get that from? Their yeah. dad is a very good cook as well. So they did see both of us in the kitchen and he was great with a recipe and could really work a lot of, a lot of things beautifully. And I had the, let's just take these ingredients and see what happens with them. So yeah. they both had that exposure, different types of exposure, which obviously must've served them well. Yeah. I, I love how you said it's like a form of meditation. Um, for me, it's baking's my happy place. You know, it's a, a place where I'm confident, where I'm competent and um, yeah, I get in the zone and, and it's really, um, when I'm upset, sometimes I just go and bake. It's like, oh, I need to bake something. And then you can sit down with a cup of tea or whatever and your biscotti or your soft biscotti or whatever you decided to make and then relax. Or just the creative process of opening the fridge and thinking, what do I need to eat today? Well, I've got strawberries, I've got this, you know, what? And there's something fun about that too. It's like, uh, you know, they used to have that cooking show where they give you a basket with all this crazy business. Chopped. Chopped. So it's, it's kind of like a, a less stressful and weird version of chopped because I'm not going to throw sardines in there. But, you know, yes. you like have all these various ingredients. And so it's less wasteful too. I mean, there's just so much freedom with the ability of cooking and creating. You go through your fridge, you make sure, you know, you're going to the store and you get stuff, but you also make sure you're not wasting things use the things you can, you use the things you have, you, you revise and twist with what, what you need, which is, there's so much freedom with the ability to be competent in the kitchen. And you likened that to um, control, having control yeah. over what you eat and do. Yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate, one of those controls you have over yourself is, you know, what, what you put in your body. So I get to choose whether I want to eat keto or, you know, vegan or, right, or gluten-free or all three, whatever it is, or, and I can switch that, right? I don't have to be reliant on trying to find something in the store. I can make things. I can look up recipes because there's so many resources online where you can find beautiful things. And with the, um, all the skills you have, you can just turn it into what you need. So if your diet changes, your diet doesn't have to be as restrictive. You can look at those parameters and use your skills as a cook and a baker to make it work for you, which is kind of what I did gluten-free, right? Because yes. I wanted to still eat really good cakes and, and make pancakes and things my kids would enjoy, but not have to buy expensive mixes or things that sucked and didn't work. Um, so yeah, there's so much control and freedom. I just, um, I can't imagine not being able to cook and being at the mercy of what you could find at the grocery store or what you go out to eat. I mean, when I go out or when I'm on a trip, I feel exhausted by the lack of choice or just 
what you can get out to eat. It's almost, it's almost like I can barely stand. I can only stand a few days of going out to eat all the time because I'm like, oh, I just need to get back to the kitchen where I'm in control of what I get to eat, right? No, and I and I, I agree with that completely. And having moved to the South where there is so much fried chicken and oh. barbecue, um, I don't do fast food, but it seems like we have a chicken place on every corner. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I, I can't even bring myself to eat fast food anymore. I, I can't believe I used to eat it, but it's, it's made to be addictive. It's made, right. sorry, we have these long lines, for example, Chick-fil-A, the lines wow. are mind boggling, but it's because this food is made to be addictive. So, so much of our processed food, soda, things like that, it's made to be addictive, but having the control and choosing and getting through that. And that's one thing back to the gluten-free and the wheat. I love bread. I love bread and you have to make a choice. Is it worth the pain? Sometimes I say, yes, it is. <laughs> well, I get that. I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, but, and I can relate to the fast food thing. I don't, I can't remember the last time I was at a fast food place. Cause I just, I don't choose to eat there. And plus as someone who's gluten-free, there's nothing to eat. I mean, pretty much nothing to eat. So the buns almost always gluten. Yeah. So you get a hamburger without a bun, but can you imagine how bad the hamburger is with, you know what I mean? With no bun, I don't know. It, it's just not good. And there's no reason I have to eat that, which is the good part. And you, it is hard when you go out and we, I, I kept saying, okay, please, we need to have a healthy restaurant. We need to have a healthy restaurant. We finally have Neon Fig opened up and oh my gosh, I can't get past the one bowl that I like, this Buddha bowl. And yeah. it is so good. So I would like to try some other things on the menu, but it's great now to have at least something that is different, that is more healthy. And one of the things that, and, and I seem to be really manifesting for the lack of a better word, bringing people like yourself to me who um, believe as I, or think as I do, know as I do, that we are all different. Right. To say that well, be vegetarian or be keto or be vegan or be paleo, whatever it happens to be, doesn't mean that it's right for you. Your True. body is different. Mm -hmm. And to try to put everyone into that mold, it's right. just right. And, and hence the, your life, your way, because you have to find out what is right for you and, and happiness and comfort and safety and health, everything. And that's yeah. something we don't take the time to do because come back to that B word. And we think that we have to do things as my little quote fingers, yes. do things a certain way, because what will people think? And well, this is, this is what I've known all my life, or this is what my mother did. Well, just because my mama did, it doesn't mean that it's right for me. Yes. A lot since my mother did what she did back years ago. Oh my goodness. We uh, speaking of, well, this is going to date me horribly. Oh, whatever. Yes. So my growing up, we had a can of bacon, uh, bacon grease under the sink that was in a like a coffee can. Yes, we did too. Yes. And so that bacon grease, you actually, I mean, my mom made biscuits with it. She made biscuits. She made all kinds of stuff with the little bacony bits. I can't say it wasn't good, but I wouldn't be, you know, I don't really want to eat quite that much bacon grease. And, you know, they just, we just ate differently back then. And I get to choose to eat the way I want. Um, but, but yeah, like you said, the keto paleo, and then you have someone telling you, I've, I'm such a believer in like everybody, I don't know this to be true, but I feel like everybody runs on different things. Like my husband could eat all meat and he'd be happy. And I'm just like, oh, I can't eat that way. 
right? I think the ratio and the types of foods you like eating, it's really important to, I mean, be healthy, of course, but, but to like cater things to your way of eating. So if you hate sweet potatoes and the diet you're on is like all sweet potatoes, okay, well, find something that works. And, and like for gluten-free too, like if you're a person who's finding out you're gluten-free, it feels panicky and you're like, oh my God, I can't eat anything. You can. And then I think one of those things that's important to think about when you first learn you're gluten-free is to find those pivotal items that you have to have. Like if you're gluten-free and your favorite item is pancakes, then you need to find a good recipe where you can make pancakes or a good mix or whatever it is, or you always want chocolate chip cookies and you just feel so deprived and terror, you know, to find those pivotal items that make you feel um, not so deprived. Like you can still live well. And, and I think finding those items for me and learning how to make them was a really a big turning point and not feeling like I wanted to cry all the time. You know, as you're going everywhere and people are eating this, that, and the other thing, and you're like, I can't have that. I can't have that. Well, I can't have that, you know, to um, anyway. And it goes to the control and freedom and, and ability to make things. So I hear you. And it's, it's not easy, but there are resources such as yourself and other, as you said, many sources online, there's so much that has advanced in the way of healthier foods, such as gluten-free. Yeah. And you don't have to be deprived. You can adapt. It does take, um, you gotta wanna. You, yeah. you have to really wanna. You have to not want to suffer. Right. And it does take some planning, you know, you, you need, for me, I need the right kind of flowers, you know, I don't just bake with any gluten-free flour. There are ones that I prefer to use that work well for me that I know how they're going to work. I mean, I don't think gluten-free baking is necessarily any more difficult than any other kind of baking, but a lot of people don't want to do either baking, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think probably one of the, me with, with wheat, one of the tough things has been finding a bread out there that it actually tastes good. Mm -hmm. Many times I'll just go to, which drives me crazy because I don't like it either, but the Ezekiel sprouted bread mm -hmm. that doesn't bother my joints, Yeah, but it doesn't taste that great. And I have to toast it and then I still don't like it. And sometimes I can act like a child because I don't want to eat this. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, um, you know, there are certain stores that have better stuff than others. So that, you know, it seems like a lot of the gluten-free bread you get that's yeast bread, you make a sandwich and it just implodes because as soon as moisture hits it, it's just, you know, completely falls apart and all this stuff. So there are, there are certain brands that I use and, you know, they're not perfect, but at least they taste good because I don't normally bake yeast breads. So that's one of those things that I do buy because it's a little bit of a pain in the butt. At least I haven't found a better way to make it yet. So I will keep you posted on that. But, and if you want to know any brands, I'm happy to like share what works for me. And I really, I have a, on my bucket list to learn how to make good bread because I want to be able to, he's a little bit young now, he's only six months old, <laughs> but I'd love to be able to bake with my grandson and teach him how to make bread. And other, oh, yeah. that's adorable. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited for that, but there's time. So it gives me plenty of time to learn. And we are, which I'm very much looking forward to actually, yes, the process, but I'm really looking forward to eating it. Yeah. On Sunday this week, which by the time this interview comes out, we will already have done that. Yeah. But we are going to bake a cake. You're going to teach us a few of us how to bake a chocolate cake yes. via like this on Zoom. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's a it's such a I want to say it's such a basic 
chocolate cake, but it's just like the quintessential chocolate cake. That's a much better way of saying it. It's just rich and yummy and, you know, it's not insipid, greasy and tasteless. Have you ever seen those cakes where you go to eat it and you're like, it looks brown, but there's no chocolate flavor or it's all oily, right? So um, this isn't one of those cakes. It has beautiful chocolate flavor and like a fudgy chocolate frosting if you choose to have it on there. Um, yeah, it's a great bake and it lasts well because I've been eating it since Father's Day. <laughs> My dad, we made a nine by 13 pan and it ended up being less people. So my dad's like, I can't eat all of this. So of course, three quarters of the cake went home with me. So I have to say my husband at least at least ate a quarter of what's there. And I have no idea what the, where the rest of that went. I'm not going to own up to that, but it sure is good, even cold in the fridge. So I've been eating that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's so, it's so, I think during COVID, one of the great things that came out of that is how much we've learned we can do over Zoom. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I know that's how I work with my clients and it's a great way to learn how to bake, cook. And I got to watch you work with um, Tara. What, oh, did you, what did you two make? That was fun. Yeah. Were you on uh, her Facebook? Is that where you were? You did oh. it live on her Facebook. Yes. Yeah. Um, we were making banana bread. Mm. Yeah. That's yes. So that was fun. Uh, Zoom is a, is interestingly enough, a fun place to bake and it, it it's it's been a I don't know I'm really enjoying that I'm enjoying the because there's a lot more interaction on zoom than when you're live with people than there is just watching someone do it mm -hmm. there's a whole nother element of the back and forth and you get to experience things in real time especially if you're baking you can kind of troubleshoot in a way that you can't and you kind of feel like you have a baking buddy so you're like hey is this normal you know what's going on here do I have to do more of this or you know so that whole the I think part of the reticence people have with baking is they get into a place and they're like oh gosh is this right or like I, what's happening here or what do I do next you know and so there isn't any of that because there's someone walking you through it which is which is fun so well you will have to shout out <clears throat> probably more than once or twice Kathleen stop eating the batter <laughs> that, was, that was one of the huge things my kids and I we bake cookies but we always ended up with less cookies because we ate so much of the batter I, I understand completely. I may or may not have learned to bake for my love of batter, but I know that's not PC to say, so I'll just pretend like that's not true. <laughs> we'll pretend we didn't share. Right. Well, I would also love to have you tell us about your podcast. Oh, Please. sure. So my podcast is, you know, on all the usual Apple and Spotify platforms. Um, you can find it there. Um, it's called Chili Bakes Gluten-Free, and it's basically was basically like the audio version of the Zoom. So, you know, it's me talking through recipes and it'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm doing and the tips if I have them or like some stuff, uh, reasons why I modify things, uh, where I got the recipe from and just walking through the bakes. Um, of course, you're not on the, you're not listening to it bake because that would be pretty boring to just listen to the oven. But <laughs> so it's, it's me. yeah, so it's me baking. It's you in the kitchen with me baking and uh, me chatting with you while I'm baking. So that's what Chili Bakes podcast is. It started in December and I think we're on the 16th episode and the latest one was uh, peanut butter cookies. Oh, I love peanut butter. I do too, right? And they're really hard to find a good one of those that's not just falling apart and has a lot of peanut flavor. Yeah. The chocolate chips in them though. Peanut butter and chocolate is probably my number one two flavor combination. Yeah, I feel like um, with baking, People always say, what's your favorite? And it feels like I have like quintuplets and I don't know which one to pick. 
because I do love lemon. I do love plain chocolate. I adore peanut butter and chocolate. I will go buy those Reese's peanut butter cups when they yes, come out. Yes, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I, I could go through so many Reese's peanut butter cups. It's criminal. They're so um, bad for us, but they taste so good. <laughs> they do. And you know, I, I've eaten enough of them that I know that the ones for Easter have a better ratio of peanut butter to chocolate and they're fresher because they're seasonal that's how many many Reese's peanut butter cups and I'm not even sure if they're gluten-free so I don't want to say that they are because there are some that are and some that aren't but those darn Easter ones uh, those get me into trouble every time they're the perfect salty sweet creamy chocolate just as they are who who had the bizarre idea to start messing with the Reese's cups they put potato chips in them are you kidding me no None of that's needed. Exactly. I don't want white chocolate. I want <laughs> I know. And milk chocolate. Just the Reese cup. And I think I told you that um, milk chocolate doesn't mm -hmm. like me so much. It tends to right. do well with my mood. But yes. dark chocolate doesn't bother me. <clears throat> it's, it's just too weird. But yeah, I still will grab a Reese cup. The little ones. I, I try to behave and have the little ones. Yeah. They have little ones at Trader Joe's that are, they're actually really good. The mini, they have dark chocolate and peanut butter cups, which are quite delicious. The only bad part, and they have milk chocolate as well. So they come in one of those plastic tubby type things. The bad part is there's no wrappers to tell you how many you've gone through, which is, you know, sometimes the only reason I stop is I think, oh, I have enough wrappers here. I probably ought to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what are you going to do? Right. Um, Go ahead. I, I was going to say that I, I love how you are planning to bake with your grandson. That's just, that warms my heart beyond belief. And I, there's such a good family connection. Uh, we talked about this before with recipes and um, family traditions. And the fact that you are planning and want to cook with them is adorable. Um, and I love that. And I'm sure you have wonderful family food memories like I do. Like I learned to cook through my mom, but also my grandmother. My grandmother was an exceptional cook and she, you know, lived in San Francisco. She'd always be clipping stuff out of the San Francisco Chronicle, which has an amazing food section. And she was the one who um, bought me a cookbook when I was about 13, a really nice cookbook and a subscription to Bon Appetit. And so as a pretty young person, like 13 or so, I think I got that. And so I would, I learned how to make English toffee and I would go through the magazine and pull out recipes. And I learned so much about food and I would read them like a like a novel almost. And so I have those food traditions came from her, that love of food. And she had like recipes that she had growing up that she passed on to us. And so that tradition of food and um, passing that to the next generation is really precious to me. And my kids find a lot of value in that too. Like at Thanksgiving, they want the dishes we make, right? They want to eat the food the way we made it and have that pass through the traditions. It's really um, something precious that I'd like to preserve and the ability to bake and cook with your kids and grandkids is just such a lovely uh, tradition and activity. Well, you and I are going to share two aspects. You've just shared a very beautiful reason <clears throat> why, and I'm going to share the opposite. My reason for wanting to have this particular tradition as well as others mm -hmm. with my grandson is my grandparents didn't share and didn't pass on those things. Yeah. I can remember my grandmother in the kitchen and she made a really, really amazing spaghetti sauce, but there was not a teaching. And mm. my grandfather made the best Johnny cake. Oh my gosh. And I wish I, I was just talking about uh, with a friend the other day about this, and I wish I had that recipe, but those things didn't get passed down. 
Yeah. I want to start that with my, you know, we, we, Dave and I both taught the boys different things regarding, regarding cooking. And then they both have just flourished with it. Yeah. And I want that to continue with Ian, but I want to be the grandparent and pass those things along. So yeah. we're kind of covering those two different, if you didn't have it, do it. And if you had it, keep it going. Yeah. What a legacy. And that, that there's so much memory and smell and taste and food. Right. And there's the whole shared experience of eating and cooking together is such a beautiful tradition. And Thanksgiving's my favorite meal, absolute favorite meal of the year. I mean, it is a giant pain in the butt. And my mom and I used to get up at five o'clock to start the pies and be working all the way through. And then you sit down and you're exhausted and you, you know, you get through your turkey in like 10 minutes and, and there you're done, you know, <laughs> but, but I still love that meal. I love the, all the things that go with it. The smells when you walk in the house after you've been out and you smell the turkey and the pies and everything and, and the beautiful table and you get to laugh and have this wonderful meal of family. It's just precious. Yeah. I miss that. That was my, that was my meal. That was my holiday. I cooked and did Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And since I've moved, it's just mom and I. So we're doing different. We actually have a, <clears throat> it's called Bloodies and Bagels and it's a fundraiser for a local mental health here. And uh -huh. we worked that this past Thanksgiving, oh, nice. we had a ball and mom just loved it. She had a ball and she's very much looking forward to doing it again this year. So our Thanksgiving is a little bit different. And yeah. now that Aiken always has a one table, it's called a one table and we missed it last. I don't know. Did they have, it? I think they may not have had it last year, mm -hmm. last couple of years because of COVID, but it's going to have it this year. So after we work bloody and bagels, the goal would be to go over and enjoy a community of down community of Aikenites at a big Thanksgiving dinner. So that'll be different. It'll be different, but nice, you know, as your life changes, I mean, you don't need a 20 pound Turkey, you know, or. But it was a fun meal to cook. Yes. A lot of work, but it was, it was fun. And I love the leftovers. It's probably one of the only type of meals. I love the leftovers. Yes. I have to have like the, the day after Thanksgiving, I'd always have pie and, uh, coffee or tea for breakfast so I'd have multiple kinds of pie with coffee and tea for breakfast and then for lunch I always wanted turkey with gravy and stuffing and green beans if there were there and mashed potatoes with butter because why not right <laughs> why not it's all there <laughs> yeah well you have so much to give and so much to share and to teach how might someone reach out to you and gather more information from you Thank you. Um, that's so nice of you to say that. I, I hope that I am a resource to people because I, I'd love to help pe more people who are gluten-free or even not gluten-free, just feel more comfortable in the kitchen and be able to, to eat the foods they love and not feel so sad or deprived and to be able to share that with their family and, you know, not have it be like this huge ordeal where you got to make three different things. You know, I just want to make people's lives easier and impart some of what I've learned in the past about 20 years baking this way with other people. So um, I'm on Instagram. I've got um, lots of recipes there that um, you can come check it out. There's pictures. Um, I have baking tips. You can see me being whatever this is, wackiness. I don't know. And, um, and I have a website that's, um, it's linked to the Instagram bio, but also it's www.chilibakes gluten-free.com. And it's the companion uh, to, the, to the podcast which I'll get to in a second. And it has all the recipes there for the podcast and pictures. So you can actually listen there as well. And then I'm doing a blog where I'm starting to import recipes from Instagram, which don't show up anywhere else. Um, and my podcast is chilibakesglutenfree.com and it's out um, the first and 
third Sunday of every month. Um, yeah, so you can check out the recipes there. So those are a couple of places you can find me. You can DM me on Instagram or I'm on Facebook. Actually, I have Chili Bakes Gluten-Free no, gluten group that you can look for there as well. So um, there's lots of places you can find me. Just say hi. Um, you know, if you see something you want to find out about in my pictures or whatever, or just want to say hello, um, I'd love to, to talk to you. And if you have any questions, let me know because I'd love to be a resource. Yeah. And I will have all of your contact information in the show notes. So also everyone can look for it there. But thank you so much. I've just loved both our conversations before and today. And I'm looking forward to Sunday. And we, I'll put out a, a post after this airs that uh, will tell everybody how the cake came out. Thank you so much for having me, Kathleen. It's lovely to talk to you um, always, both times. Lovely. Anytime you want to talk to me, if you want to shoot me a gluten-free question or just chat, you're an amazing person to talk to. And I love what you're doing, you know, about informing people about doing things their own way. I love that. It's such a, um, I feel like it's so timely for someone like of my age to, you know, to mm, the focus of what you need in a in a way that maybe you hadn't earlier in your life which is kind of what i'm experiencing and i love what you're doing and you're helping so many people get there and just being a great resource to other people who are looking to do something different and um wanting to find out new information so thank you for what you do and thank you for having me here today it was delightful well thank you so much for your kind words i, I greatly appreciate it and i'm so happy to have you here and i will look forward to talking with you on sunday yeah i'm super excited about our bake it's going to be amazing i'm i'm happy about that I can't wait. Thank right. you. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Thank you for joining Carolyn and I today. An update. You heard us speaking about Carolyn's Zoom class she was going to be hosting. We learned how to make a chocolate layer cake. And I must say, oh my God, it was so good. And yes, I did eat way too much of it. But I just had a wonderful time being with a group of ladies and learning how to bake a gluten-free cake. And it worked out beautiful. I would highly suggest that if, if this is something that interests you, get a group of gals together, or you can do a one-on-one -on -one with Carolyn, get a group together and schedule a class with Carolyn and go to town, learn how to bake something. If you go to her Instagram, Chili Bakes, gluten-free Chili Bakes GF, and find her on Instagram. And if you go to her website, chilibakesglutenfree.com, you will find a whole plethora of her amazing recipes and seeing pictures and, oh gosh, it's just going to make your mouth water. But do reach out and I will have Carolyn's contact information in the show notes. But again, you can find her at Chili Bakes GF on Instagram and her website is chilibakesglutenfree.com. If you know of anyone else that is on the journey of gluten-free or at least trying to reduce the amount of gluten and they're feeling, you know, deprived, it, it can be hard. We can feel like, oh my gosh, we can't enjoy fun things without being in pain. Well, that's not necessarily true. And is the first thing you make going to be, well, I don't like this word, but is it going to be perfect? What you're, you know, expecting? Maybe, maybe not, but it is a process of learning. It's part of the journey. And remember, it's not about the destination. Of course, unless it's a chocolate layer cake, it is about the journey. So please feel free to share this with a friend, even if we help just one other friend 
who's on her journey, I would greatly appreciate it. We want to help as many as, as many women as we can. I wish you joy, peace, and wonderful blessings in the rest of your day. Thank you so much for being here. Bye-bye.